podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is Cameron Bell. I am filling in uh, for our usual host, Mr Edgar. He's feeling a little bit under the weather, so I'm sure that I will. you'll join me in sending uh, our good wishes to make sure that he gets a bit of a speedy recovery. Um, I have been given what could probably be determined as the sexiest combination that I could possibly have as, as my guest on the show. Uh, this afternoon, uh, first of all, uh, still using the Brill Cream look from the 50s, Mr Andrew McGowan. Hello, folks. Hi, Cammy. And uh, wishing he had the hair to require the use of Brill Cream, Mr Martin Ramsey. Yeah, it's been a few years. Thanks, Cammy. Listen, I- I'm, I'm going to have to get my digs in early because compared to you two, I'm just a big fat blobbering mess. So, you know, I've kind of got the sexy team on with me tonight and you two can, let's put it like this, if the three of us were at a bar, I'd be the last one to pull. Is that fair? Aye, but you, you've got the chat, Cammy, and everyone knows that's that's what's, what it really comes down to. So, you know, driving for show, putting for dough, etc. <laughs> well, yeah, so let's get into it then because we've got tons and tons to talk about. Rangers are back in action and a, and a very welcome return to a Saturday three o'clock kickoff, um, following up on a, a rather disappointing one all draw at the Fountain Youth Stadium against Hamilton Ackies last Sunday. Rangers lined up with the, the, the usual back five McGregor, Tav, Goldson, Liam Balligan uh, making a, a, a return, and then Egbona Barisic out on the left hand side. The midfield three revised from uh, the Hamilton game Joe Rebo, Ryan Jack, and Stephen Davis with a forward three. Thanks to the now uh, impending uh, ban of Kamar Roof of Yanis Haji, Cedric Itton and Ryan Kent. Martin, I think it's fair to say that we were looking for a bit of a response. Um, I, I think, you know, we do try to, to, to be as impartial as we can with a slight degree of bias in heart and hand. Um, Hamilton gave us a game last weekend and we had a week to be able to get the players uh, I want to say, I don't know what you could call it, back into kind of frame of mind of we want to, to get a decent performance against Kelly. And I actually thought from the lineup in the first opening 20 minutes or so, I thought that we established a pretty good tempo to the game. Um, I, I'm not so sure about that. I, the, the lineup, everyone agreed. I thought it was it was relatively positive. I think people were, were quite happy to see that, that starting 11. Uh I think the overall pattern the game kind of fell into one that we're becoming accustomed to to seeing with Rangers over the last month or two. Um, it's like the inverse of Sven Joran Eriksson's England. I don't know if you remember near the end of his time, whenever he'd be asked at the end of a game, he, you know, first half good, second half not so good, and we're like the opposite of that. Um, we start as if we've taken lithium um, before going out. And then the second half is um, far more like it. Um, and, you know, we, we, we kind of get the, 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 the job done. So it felt to me very much like that. You'll speak about the goal in a minute, which was outstanding. Uh, but it, it, it lifted uh, something more of the same, really. Yeah, and, and Andy, I think in terms of um, the, 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 the Aki's game was really around... Uh, there was some some chances for Aki's. We, we 
we had the door chapped a few times. Kilmarnock was a little bit different. I think that we'd created some decent passages of play. Um, the, the the first real chance, I think, in terms of, of looking to be able to try and get ourselves ahead was quite a nice little um, piece of intra-play uh, just within the, the kind of left-hand side of the 18-yard box of Kilmarnock. Tav was slipped through, but I, I judged there being offside. I think a fair call in terms of where that was, but unlike the, the previous week, we were starting to probably take a little bit more emphasis in the game and be able to try and, and it, it display a little bit more control is probably what I'm trying to say. Well, a control's a word I've used often when I'm talking about the, the Rangers team this season because we have controlled games and, and uh, we've largely been dictated to, to suit us. Hamill last week was a wee bit different, um, but I thought on Saturday... Martin's correct. I wouldn't say we were sluggish. There was just there's just something no zipping just now. But probably it's because we're we're harking back to pre-Christmas when we were really really firing all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, the the performance itself would have had a far far better sheen if even one or two of the clear cut chances we made had been taken. I think if I was to sum up the game, then it, it was really a case of no deadly enough, no killer instinct, because the performance itself was pretty, you know, McGregor wasn't was troubled once. I don't think we ever felt under serious pressure and really it was a case of taking chances, which we never did. So um, a strange game because at the final whistle, I thought that was pretty subpar. But in the cold, hard light of day, when you've had a couple of days breathing space between it, probably the only difference between that and certainly are very satisfied would have been a couple of, uh, are those chances been finished off? Martin, we, we kind of spoke a little bit about this previously, and we're, we're going to touch on Europe as well, because obviously we return to the uh, European action on Thursday night. Um, do you think that, I don't want to call it a malaise, I don't want to say it's been sluggish, but you're right in what you've said, I don't think that we've had high tempo, high intensity starts to games this year. Now we haven't had to, we've discussed this across a number of different pods, is it because of the is it because of the gap? Is it because of the points advantage? Would you say that, you know, if the circumstances were different and we're within, you know, four or five points of 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 a title race, that we would feel that pressure, therefore we would have to start quicker. I don't want to say we're resting our laurels, but it does feel a little bit like, well, we've kind of just taken our foot off the gas slightly, but we're confident that we'll still still get the result. Hamilton Ackies was a bit of a kind of average to that because of the 94th minute equaliser. But I don't feel that we are going to, to drop points if we don't start you know, like about out of hell. Um, well, we're certainly in second gear. We have been a number of times. There have been exceptions to that over the last couple of months. Uh, I thought the start of Pataudry was um, a wee bit more up-tempo, but then the, the context of the game maybe demands that. Uh, and that, that kind of answers your question um, it's natural for, for the intensity or the need for intensity to go when the, the competition disappears and now different for us because we're, we're, we're searching for something this season we're trying to achieve something this season that we, we haven't done for, for some time and it was going to be a very very special title and therefore your blob on the sofa shouting um, at, at the telly would uh, you know, demand absolutely 100% every single week, blah, 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 um, because it's such an important title. But they're human beings and they're athletes. You can't go at that pace, at that level, 
um, for the entire season. They'll be burnt out. And as far as I can understand from the way that our management team tries to kind of calibrate the season, they want us to finish strongly. You're going to have to take a breather then because we started like, about out of hell, give or take. Um, but you, you simply cannot do that for, for eight, nine months um, or you will disappear when presumably in theory um, we would have thought at the start of the season you would need it most um, so I think we've used this time we've used the the gap that we've had the gap that's obviously got got bigger over the last couple of months uh, contracted a little bit recently but um, as, a, as a proper cushion just to do enough and we've, we've rode our luck and we got bitten last week at, at Hamilton um, and listen Kilmarnock were dreadful but 1-0 all it takes is a wicked deflection, blah, blah, blah. We all know the score. None of us were sitting too comfy um, on on Saturday because it's, it is only that. Uh, but I, I would completely agree. I think we have just managed the last two or three months. Um, you've got to do that in Scotland anyway. It'll sap the legs like nothing else because of the pitches and the weather, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we, we've, we've been able to because the, the, the intensity of competition has disappeared. We've not been in a title race for since New Year, realistically. Uh, and I am really looking forward to seeing Europe back. I think this Rangers team, and Andy's talking about Zip, and, and you've mentioned it as well, Cammy. this Rangers team are at their best, I think, when they're playing a lot of football and meaningful football. And I'm delighted to see Europe back. Just to and give the, you that, that two games a week. You know, you build that kind of momentum. Yeah, listen, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. I think the congestion of fixtures that we had in December kept us simmering, if you want to call it that. It kept us going. We moved it game to game and now uh, we, we have to pad that out as, as obviously there's more time in between fixtures at the moment. And uh, there's, there's a part there and I wonder if there's a, a, a microcosm of an example that we can use in terms of how we've seen the season thus far used within this commandment game. Um, because uh, just about 10 minutes shy the 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 halftime whistle. Tab puts in a corner. There's a little bit of a kind of smash in the box. I think Balligan gets a touch on it. It's eventually cleared just out to Ryan Jack, who's maybe 20, 22 yards out from goal. He takes a sublime touch to be able to try and set him up with a volley, a, a, a wonderful dipping volley, which the keeper just simply cannot get close to. A magnificent goal, a real piece of genius. And then if I can... I'll let you come on to the goal in just a second, but the reason I call it a microcosm is because I actually feel as if that goal just relieved the pressure. It just allowed us to kind of relax a little bit more. We saw it through to halftime. And then as we get into the second half, I don't think it's been a hairdryer. I don't think it's been, you know, Gerard giving them a bit of a kind of uh, a reminder at halftime. I think it's just eased the pressure on ourselves to say, right, that's us in our groove now. We can start to look a bit more assured. We started to kind of come forward a lot more. The attack started to happen. Commandment were poor, right? I'm not I'm not saying that this is all just due to, to our temperamental shift. But it felt to me when that goal went in, it's like, okay, we've got a lead now. And now we've got a lead, we can just play our style of football. And then that started to create more opportunities for us. Um, I think that the, the kind of opening 15, 20 minutes of the second half, Ryan Kent had a very... Um, a very good chance saved by Doyle when it was right down towards his left-hand side and it was proper fingertips. But that feels to me that once we've got our noses in front, we're, we're very more relaxed and confident than we've seen in the last few seasons. 
I think absolutely. I think, I think any team that has the defensive record that we've got and has such confidence in themselves as a defensive unit from front to back knows that if they get their noses in front, that they're another eighty percent to the to the end of the game. So I, I think we need to be kind of careful here that we're, we're not being overly apologetic for performances and uh, overly critical because I mean any Rangers fan that's seen a title-winning team will have seen games like that many a time where the team is subpar, it's kind of laboured, it doesn't feel exciting in the moment and there's just a slight bit of doubt creeps in your mind because anything can happen in football. But you kind of know that if we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to win it. And, and I think back to games where Christ, nine in a row, when we're, I think it must have been six in a row, where Mark Haley would drag us single-handedly through games which were turgid, and I mean turgid, and we're watching far more expensive squad than we're watching now, and he would be the one that would make the difference. And you can think back to other games, etc. There's, there's loads and loads of examples. So I think the goal itself, I mean, that doesn't happen by accident. And, and for many, many years, I've been saying that we need players all, in, all around the park to contribute because that's been the difference for Celtic and that they've had games where they're struggling, they either get a, a set piece or they get a bit of brilliance or a midfielder that doesn't normally do it, steps up to the plate and scores a goal. And we do that now. I mean, we look at our centre-halves and the goals that they've scored this season. We look at, obviously, Tav, but we look all around the park and we've got goals and we've got contributions, even bit parts. And this is why I've always said that squad is key, which is obvious, but you've got to have players in there that contribute. And, I, and by contribute, I mean 10 games they come in and they score goals that make the difference. He has, he's done it. He's came in and done his bit now, whereas he's not quite a first team, a first choice, I would say. If we're, if we're full of squads, fit, I don't know if he makes it every time, but when he comes in, he's contributing. He's, the, the boy right looks as if he'll be able to do that. So the, the, the thing you say there, Cammy, about microcosm is correct. And it's obvious that if we get our nose in front, we're going to relax. But you've still got to do it. And that goal there was a, a kind of stamp of approval of the quality that's running through our squad now. But not just the quality, the actual mentality, the balls, the um, sheer will and determination to, to, to score goals like that, to make things happen, to find solutions. Because that is the difference in games like that. And that's what wins your championships. Sounds cliched, but it's, it's 100% true. So I think we need, to, we need to keep the game in perspective of, a, of the whole season. Martin said it at the start, you're going to have dips. Everybody has dips. But it's how you handle those dips. And we've handled a wee dip in the last month or so, the last four weeks, absolutely fantastically, bar Hamilton. Uh, yeah, listen, you're totally right. You're totally right. Before I move on to Martin, because I do want to talk about um, what you mentioned there in terms of the, the squad. Andy, you're a, you're a proven footballer, and I've heard <laughs> of your exploits. The Jack goal, what was better, the touch or the hit? Hey, I think the touch. I think yeah. to, to, to do that in the heat of the moment, when you're under a wee bit of pressure, because our commander players are obviously pushing out, to be, to have the awareness. In the, in the Because your first instinct is if football players usually get it on the deck, isn't it? You're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're trying to get it done and you're trying to get it under control first and foremost, particularly if you're shooting for the edge of the box. So I actually have the awareness to say, no, you can well, I'm going to keep this in the air and I'm going to volley it at that stage of the game. I thought it was, I mean, I'm being critical of Jack in the past because I don't think he shoots enough. I don't think he creates enough 
and sometimes a wee bit wanting in the final third, but fuck, he's making a mockery of me there because that was his. I mean, it was reminiscent of Tav in the Petrofac final, which I thought was one of the best goals I've ever seen live in the flesh. So, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, Martin, you and I live about 50 miles, give or take, as the crow flies. We, we, we live about 50 miles away from each other. And when Ryan Kent was bearing through on goal, does a lovely step over, squares it to Joe Aribo. I'm fairly sure I heard you shout from my house um, the fact that he had missed it. Now, I want, to, I want to talk to you a little bit about the squad in just a second, but what I will say is that it was a great opportunity to be able to try and finish it. Uh, but a huge element of where we are now and how we've progressed is that it, it didn't feel like as if the game hung in the balance because of that miss. We're just far more confident, we're far more assured because we know that we can see out the wins now. Hamilton Ackies is obviously, as I said before, a, a, a blot in the, in the copybook as a result of that, but that's very much against the norm. We knew that when Aribo missed that, it was, a, OK, well, another chance will come. It's not going to It's not gonna impact us. Uh, it's easy to say 48 hours later. Um, <laughs> because, again, I, 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 I go back to what you said, you're projecting your own anxiety onto it. It is only 1-0, and it just takes up a, a weird thing. We will concede again at home, I'm sure, at some point in, in the league. Um, but you're you're right. Uh, you're not. We're not in the same situation that we, we felt at times last year and definitely the season before, usually away from home, where 1-0 was never enough. And we, we got ourselves in Leeds, didn't we? Uh, at these kind of uh, tight, awkward grounds like Robbie Park, Tencastle, whatever, and couldn't see it out. And, you know, the arse collapsed. We, we know all that. Um, more of an away thing than an Ibrox thing. And, and certainly Ibrox this season, I mean, it's been ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous that the, uh, the, the solidity. Um, McGregor's been obviously called in to do his job um, at various times, as you'd maybe expect in football. Um, but but you're right, getting that first goal. Which I think are we not all in that kind of mood? Just watching Rangers in general now, but especially these home games. Uh, the as long as we get one, you, you do breathe that wee bit. But we we all like to see the second. Um, it should have been. It was a, a very frustrating moment um, because we, you know, <laughs> we're not even looking at a, a, a long term picture anymore. It's it's there. We can see it. It's, we can nearly touch it. And you're just counting down wins, um, and it, you know, two or three nil by the hour mark would be obviously a lot more um, comfortable. But you know, it's Rangers. We've been following them for thirty odd years, and we should know by now that uh, it's never ever going to be like that. No, why do things the easy way? Um, the Rangers mantra. It's drama. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, adding to your. We we can't go. We're paying a lot of money not to go. They're just they're providing. Providing some a little bit, of, a little bit of additional excitement. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, this is very oh, good. Exactly, a little bit of kind of additional entertainment for your your TV viewing. Um, Mark, I want to stick with you because I want to come back to a point that that, that Andy made there around um, where we are in terms of uh, resource management because Europe is back on the horizon. Um, there was probably some questions uh, around uh, how we would be impacted by various different um, circumstances. So Bungay Zungu started last week against uh, Hamilton Ackies, wasn't involved uh, at the weekend there. Don't know if that kind of casts a bit of a, a cloud over what, what might happen with him potentially. Scott Wright came on um, for Yanis Hadji. Scott Arfield um, is a welcome returnee. Mm -hmm. uh, the manager had said in the press conference on Friday, you know, he's been back in training 
I was surprised personally to see him. Um, but I think I understand why now that I've kind of looked at the bigger picture. Glenn Kamara not involved. Um, I want to say a little bit about Scott Wright at the moment because I, I'll be honest with you, I am I am I quite like the lad. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's the Sasa Papach lookalike winner 2021. But I really do like him when he kind of comes in. He does find a lot of good space. He, he opens himself up. There was a couple of physical challenges which he didn't back out of. Mm. Um, when we talk about resource management, I think what I'm saying about if we've got one eye on Belgium on Thursday, I would be very surprised if Glenn Kamara doesn't start against Antwerp. Scott Arfield coming back in because we know domestically Scott Arfield can absolutely do a job for us when we're trying to churn out that winner. You know, we need some graft in there as well. Um, very interesting to see the manager looking to be able to try and be a bit pragmatic about how to be able to see it a game that we're only 1-0 up in. But quite clearly, that Cameron influence is there. He doesn't need to to chop and change and, and kind of panic about anything. He knows that his players will see out the result for him, uh, probably after a little bit of a regroup following last Sunday. I mean, Alfred's huge. We, we know that. We know the job he does. Um, uh, go back to your first point. I like right as well. It's a full house um, on, on this pod. Limited uh uh, appearances, obviously, for for us, but but the the games against Aberdeen so far this season, he he's, he's looked dangerous. He looks like he enjoys the ball. He wants it. He wants to be involved, and he he doesn't flap. Um, doesn't look like a headless chicken when he does get it. So uh, there's early signs there. Um, I don't know if Arfield will start on Thursday. I think that that's maybe a big call. Um, I don't know if you get an hour out of him. Maybe then then great. Uh, we've still got Kamara to come back. Uh, it's a it's a good old position to be in. Um, uh, in terms of the, the the midfield going forward, uh, we've only really got one that we can swap around in, in terms of our back four. Um, but they're doing all right at the minute, so it's not 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 a big drama. Uh, in terms of this this juggling act, uh, I couldn't have just been the only one that when we qualified. Um, for for the groups, great more money in um, six other games, free hit. Uh, oh, that's okay, very good, good to get through. And group winners, this is uh, a sign of progress. But when we did go through, when we did win the group, I mean, I, I can't. I don't even the only one in this pod that was like, that's Europe part because we are going to be deep in a a title race, hopefully. Uh, and there's only one priority there. Uh, and we we need to be using the main guys um, for for that purpose. Um, clearly, that's not the way that it's turned out, and in, in, in a happy way rather than um, um, last season. Uh, so, you know, we can have a a real good go at that. We can have a real good go at you, what I'm saying is we're not having to use kid gloves to manage a, a squad. We have to spin plates all the way till May. Um, in terms of the league, it's you know four cup finals we've got. Uh, with more to spare if, if need be, um, so we can we can do both. And yeah, I think the manager will be, be very very happy with the options he uh, he has at his disposal. Andy, does Kamara start for you on Thursday? Does it look like as if we'll, we'll maybe do some changing to suit what you know the different the different level of game that we'll be coming back into? I don't think there's any doubt Kamara will come in. I think he's kind of card they sell on is the is the. Uh, kind of key figure in European game or one of the key figures um, he's just so good at keeping the ball and moving us forward so he'll, he'll come back in I don't know 
you know, because Jack's got a good role in Europe as well. Davis is obviously playing sublimely just now, so I'm interested to see what the selection is. But I'd, I'd imagine Camaro will come back in. Arfield's an interesting one. I don't think he'll start because I think it's too long a layoff. Although nowadays I think layoffs, the, the kind of drop in fitness is far better managed than in years gone by. So I don't think there's that much a difference between a player that's just coming back and, uh, you know, players that are up and running. So I think he'll be on the bench. Um, I think the key decisions will be the front three. Morelos will obviously come back in. Ken will be start. So it's that, that right-hand side slot. And I'll be interested to see who he goes for, if it's Hadji, if it's Wright. Um, I think if Andy, see if Arfield was a bit fitter, if he'd maybe a cup, another game. Do you not think he would have started up there? I, I, hundred percent. Because what Arfield play, play the three, done. yeah, play the three midfielders. In Europe. Plus Arfield is an outside yeah. right, and I think because he can do the whole defensive duty, drop in. He's a complete all rounder, and and we know Jera trusts him implicitly, and there's a reason for that because he's tactically he's one of the best players we've got. Mm. So I think if he was hundred percent fit. Uh, he'll start, but you know, he, that, that, long as that, that maybe 10 15 days he's been training at full pelt, so he may start, you know. So, um, I the squad the squad has done its job, and, and it goes back to what I've seen earlier on. I don't think we've got many fillers this season, we really haven't. Any. Players come in and do a job, players come in and contribute. Uh, there's been very few exceptions that, that you could say they felt they've came in and fell short. Zungu probably is, yeah. is just finding too long a time to find his feet is the only one that jumps to mind but now the squad has been uh, excellently utilised with the exception of St Marine Cup tie I've got to say. I think um, it would be interesting to see whether or not Gerard has maybe got one eye on the return leg against Antwerp, bringing him back to Ibrox and maybe that's where Scott Arfield starts that game. But again, listen, Martin hit the nail on the head, it's 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 a selection headache, it's, it's a great problem to have and um, Again, because of, of how well we've got so many different players playing periodically. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when they're getting their opportunity to come in, they're, they're taking it. And we've seen that almost sequentially as the kind of season has progressed. You know, Tavis went well, and then I'm not saying he's went off the boil, but if, if, if Tavis had some outstanding performances, it's almost as if someone else then takes over the reins. Arfield has had outstanding performances. I think he's, he's probably had his best season for us in terms of coming into it. The injuries obviously just come at a really, really bad time because he was in some great form, but I'm very confident he'll be able to try and recover that. Um, There's about a 2002-03 about, about this. There's so many players just stepping up and doing something, and then, especially in an attacking sense, and then someone else pops up when, when they're either I don't know, suspended or, or injured or whatever. And it's it's been shared around. Um, but I'd echo what Andy said, just, and we've talked about it. I think for the first time since coming back, we feel that we have squad options rather than backups. And I think that's cost us. We know it's cost us, even in, in Gerard's first two seasons. He had to play players that were nowhere near it. And I don't think we've got too many of them, and we've got enough options that those they don't really get a sniff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you know, as you mentioned beforehand about some of our numbers, absolutely ridiculous. So we're sitting now at twenty-two clean sheets, twenty-five wins of twenty-nine games, a hundred percent record at Ibrox. Um, one thing which I'm keen to kind of get your your, your kind of focus on with that, because as you mentioned before, Martin that we are within touching distance of being able to try and get what we've all yearned for for the business end of 10 years. 
um, and that is getting the top tier price. Is there a view to this that we'll get this over the line, we'll do that, and then we'll try and maintain those records? Do we not care? I mentioned before, I think I was talking to Adam, I think, on, on in an extra couple of weeks ago, and I'm kind of going back to the Amazon All or Nothing uh, series with Man City, and, you know, you've got Guardiola, and he's looking at all the records and, you know, titles in the bag and what have you, and he's like, I want this record, I want the highest points total, I want this record, I want, you know, X... Does that is that a focus for you, Martin? Do you would you want us to be able to try and maintain that as much as we possibly can, or is it a case of listen? Do you know what? The title's the most important thing. If we start to go beyond the whole, we concede another eight or nine goals or whatever, and we don't get the best goals conceded record or whatever, it's not really a a, a, a huge loss. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a joke in, in our chat about. Uh, the the defensive record meaning more to me than than winning the title, and if they, they manage to eclipse um, Mourinho's what, first season at Chelsea, I think they conceded fifteen league goals. Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous stuff. Um, truth be told, not overly bothered. I think it starts to become a thing, uh, and even when when something's won, players uh, teams start to get on edge because you know this invincible thing. Don't really care. Just want the league. Go back to the Guardiola thing. Well. Maybe if he put as much intensity into winning the Champions League that season instead of getting some kind of domestic record, then it would have been a an even greater season. And, and <laughs> depending on how things go this week, uh, also we add to it, which is going to be a, a tough game. But I've, I've said before on this pod, nothing this Rangers team does in Europe surprises me. Domestically, they've surprised me pleasantly this season and put together a run of games that we've not hinted at being able to do before. A run of wins. But in Europe, they just... From day dot uh, with Gerard, they've, they've just looked very comfortable in in in, in that sphere. So we'll see what happens next, uh, over the, the the course of the next week with, with with Antwerp. But if we do get this wrapped up and we're still in Europe, then no, it's got to be full blast at trying to achieve something immortal. And if that means you're playing kids, I, even in the split, I don't care. Okay. See, see on see on that the, the smart thing to do is if we do get the luxury of winning the league with games to spare, the smart thing is to get players like Jack Sampson and uh, Scott Wright fully fully embedded yeah. playing for Rangers. Yeah, because we're brought in early for that point. Aye, plus we know yeah. that we've been we've been super intense for a long period of time now, and that does take a toll. And players like Tavernier and Goldson at some point have got to get a rest so that we don't go into next season with a hangover. So, uh, you know, I, I would go with Martin here. If, if we've still got a sniff of Europe and going as far as we can in there, then that becomes the, the absolute focus because that is an exceptional record. To go unbeaten in this league would be very, very nice. Very, very nice. But it's never going to overshadow the fact we win the league. So, um, no, of course not. You know, I don't think, I don't think many folk will uh, no forgive Gerard if he, if, he, if he takes the foot off the pedal once it's over the line. Well, we need to move focus away from the pitch. Um, very briefly, please, gentlemen, because we are still in the situation uh, where, as we have spoken about across our, our various uh, pods in the last week or so, since receiving um, the SFA published report regarding uh, the, the circumstances of child abuse, Rangers have still not uh, made a statement on the back of this, still haven't had a response to this. I think through various discussions, various um, uh, takes on, on on things like social media, I think we've all said 
um, that that isn't good enough and that Rangers need to be able to come out and release something. I don't think, I mean, I, I haven't seen anyone who's in uh, agreement with the, the club's course of action in terms of what's happened at the moment. Now, last week on Extra, I, I talked about this with, with, with Colin, and one thing that I've kind of said is the club still have the opportunity to respond, Martin. And what we're able to do is we're able to, I don't want to say that we're controlling the narrative, I don't mean it like that. A statement would just be an acknowledgement and I think it has to be able to try and come out from the club. They've chosen not to do that. I, we, we don't we don't know. We don't know the reasons as to why that's happened. Um, there's a real lack here of, of kind of reading the sentiment of what the support want and what we feel is the right thing to do, morally or otherwise, but we just feel it's the right thing to do. And I've got to be honest with you, there's a part here where I'm just, I'm not following the club's direction and, and, and why they've kind of come to this decision. No, this is baffling me, disappointing me, angered me, throwing whatever you like. Um, listen, I, I have no doubt, and I, I really don't have any doubt, that I'm sure the club are um, considering and, 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 and then following up on those considerations to to make amends and do the right thing with, with regards to anyone affected by um, by this situation um, in a material and, and meaningful way. And ultimately, that's more important than a sound bite or, um, you know, just some kind of statement uh, late on a Friday night uh, uh, that's that, that's just superficial. Of course it is. Uh, and I'd rather see that alone than, than nothing. However, there is nothing stopping them. There was and has been nothing stopping them uh, making anything. Um, and it's created a vacuum. And in this day and age, you, you can't have that because it's filled by people that don't have Rangers at heart. And you then get a media narrative uh, that is looking for some kind of moral equivalence over this this whole sorry affair throughout Scottish football and that, that you know, everyone's equally to blame and, and, and whatever else in every situation is just very much the same, which of course isn't true. Um, and somehow uh, we, we, we end up looking even worse and it, it baffles and frustrates me. Um, I am not at all um, uh, an, a negative person towards this board and quite supportive of this board. I think any appearance on, on this pod, any tweets or whatever would, would, would back that up. I know there are a lot of people out there who who are not and are desperate to to get into the board on anything for, for personal agendas or frankly I think some people just haven't felt that fire since the Spivs were there because it gave them something to rail against and for some people in, in modern football just reeling against suits is what, what kind of keeps them going um, I'm not in that category at all but i really really disappointed and embarrassed by, by the silence um, not that I think it will translate into doing nothing which again is ultimately the, the most important thing um, but it's just created an unnecessary and completely avoidable vacuum that's been filled by people, as I said, who will um, not think twice about um, sticking the sticking the boot in. Andy, you and I are, are huge proponents of this board. I think that we have, as, as kind of Martin alluded to there, we've been very vocal in terms of our support of the board. We very much trust the stewardship of the club. Um, where they're looking to be able to, even when we've changed custodians, etc. Um, 
this is a this is a, a mistake as far as I'm concerned. Now I'm just a wee guy in a podcast. I'm not going to start turning around and you know telling guys like Douglas Park what to do, etc. There's a perception piece which I think kind of comes out of this that Martin's just touched on that you know you've got to be able to try and acknowledge this. I'm not suggesting that Rangers have done this for any other purpose rather than they just want to make sure that no. if they are talking about coming out and making a response that has to, but it has to happen sooner rather than later because there's a point here where you look as if you're too contemplative but also as if you're ignoring the subject and I think as time goes on you're then moving more into the, the latter category and they, I, I think as I said you know I think we're all in the kind of same boat with this as well the, the club should come out and say something if it's just a, along the lines of acknowledging the victims, trying to support the victims, reaching out to the victims, anyone who hasn't had the opportunity um, to, to to come forward, to, to encourage them to do so within a, a safe and open space that we can provide whatever support we have. But the club have to say something. So I'm contrarian on this. And and this and I'm going to be very careful to position this so that folk understand why I'm not quite on the same page as you guys. That SFA report, um, I don't think it deserves credit, and I don't think it deserves validation for a football club. Uh, I see that in the context of wider Scottish society and the attitude towards child sexual abuse, because. I think it's driven by optics. Um, I think it's 90% lip service. I think that this report is just a continuation of it. I really do. I think that um, the people that we should be listening to, i.e. the victims and their families, I think their, their reaction to this report is really what we should be looking at, first of all, and taking one lead from, because... I know for a fact that the Gray family are absolutely devastated, furious, bewildered by some of the content in it. And I think that it's very... We, we as a club... I mean, I get what you're saying there, Cammy, about reaching out to the victims, making sure that we know there's a safe base and everything else. That, that goes without saying for anybody that's that's been involved in anything like this. But I think there's a further conversation to be had. And I think that by us just coming out and, and kind of doing the, the bit that's already happened with partaking Celtic and making a statement that is paint by number statement about this topic, I think I think it's, it would be a disservice. I think it, it would it would satisfy some of the people that are kind of some of the Rangers fans. And, and I get it, right? I get it. I know why fans are going after nut and saying, right, Rangers need to say something. Here. And I understand Martin's point exactly about this vacuum it's created. But by the same token, I don't think we should be pressured into releasing a statement which at the end of the day could be seen as a tokenism I think what we need to do is say well actually there's a wider conversation about here because I mean Scottish society there was a child sexual abuse inquiry set up I don't know how many years ago the Scottish government and it's been beset by all sorts of problems they refused to widen the remit of it to sports clubs I think and I might be wrong here I think they refused to extend it to religious organisations I think it was it was purely and simply as narrow as care homes and such. Yeah. That to me that to me epitomizes the conversation in Scotland about this topic. And just like many political subjects, sectarianism, societal ills, football ends up being um 
a convenient kind of can to put it in, and they'll kick that can, and they'll kick it down the down the, down the road. So I think that there's actually a wider a wider aspect here, which, and I don't know if this is the reason Rangers are doing it right, or if they're just thinking they're heading the sand, because if they're just thinking they're heading the sand, and this all goes for nothing. But I think there is a there is a, a kind of point in time where you say, no, actually, let's put our foot in the ball here. Let's let's talk about this because let's be honest here. I'm getting a wee bit of hit up about it. There's a there's a massive elephant in the room here, which mm. is getting covered in a blanket of moral equivalence. That what happened over there in that corner is the same that happened over there in that corner. That isn't the case because what we've got is cover-ups potentially. We've got corporate entwinement of the the perpetrators and um, key key folk at the very very top of certain clubs. Right, that is not the same as having a rogue paedophile in a, in a boys' club. Equally abhorrent in terms of what happens to the victims, right? Do not get me wrong and do not, anybody that's listening to this on Twitter or misphrase me or, or misquote me. I, and I actually, my, my whole world viewpoint on this changed because I, I spoke to a guy who, without giving away identities, he had a very close relative who was abused by Torbert. And, and he told me exactly this guy's story. And it was utterly tragic, right? The impact I had in his life, the impact I had in his football career. And that actually changed my wee viewpoint on the whole big junk news stuff and all the stuff that goes on between the, the supports. And I, and I can attain a, a far more adult viewpoint on it. So this is why I've arrived at this point here, guys, with the SFA report, because the SFA report was delayed for so long. Um, there was no kind of visual on it. The, the input from the victims seems to have been misconstrued. Um, mm. and that is a massive kick of teeth so I don't want Rangers to give validation to this report, I'll be very very honest with you and I think coming out with a statement is tacit endorsement for it and actually get a bit of space between the two things and Rangers come out and make a statement, but make it a statement that counts for the victims uh, and, uh, I, 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 don't, forward. I, I don't disagree with, with so much of what you said there and, and <laughs> but this isn't, it hasn't come out of the blue we've known about this was coming for for ages, and I agree. Some kind of, uh, I sorry about that. Um, that we've seen in the last 48, um, 72 hours, I don't think that's good enough either. But, but, but we, we, we knew it was coming, and I agree with you. There's a there's a bigger conversation to take place. So let's own that conversation, and we could have been well ahead of the game here and ready for it. But the, but you, I share the same concerns about moral equivalence. I think a lot of the the drivers for this report were based on that, but the vacuum that we've created is given exactly the, the, the strength to exactly that, sorry. And that's that's really disappointing as well. I think I think the 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 area that we're looking at being able to try and, and satisfy what we're all talking about is if the club came out and and acknowledged it, that then as you say, Andy, said, you know, we acknowledge this, but we are calling for, you know, focus, you know, some sort of, 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 of working party going forward to make sure that this is never, ever, ever going to happen again and how clubs, every club, can be involved as part of that because you're right, there's no point in being tokenism and saying, right, well, you know, that's it and silence. But I think, yeah, as you say, it, it's about being able to acknowledge it. But we could be the driving force. We could be the change that, that, that has to kind of be instituted at that point. How and when that's done, I don't know. But my hope is that, like you say, from from that moral perspective, all clubs should be invested in that. But you're right; it's different 
I think, in terms of what we've known has happened systemically over the business end of 50 years. And as I say, I think that that's a much larger conversation that just simply can't be ignored because of um, the report has come out and then that is the end of the conversation. It's the beginning of the conversation, which I think is is a kind of main point with that as well. I just want to, to also move on to uh, another story which uh, has emerged over the last 24 hours. Uh, Rangers came out last night with uh, a statement to say that they were made aware of an alleged incident and we make no further comment at this time. This was in response to, um, uh, again, an incident of which Police Scotland uh, stated on Sunday, we have received a report of a gathering at property in Hayburn Lane in Glasgow around 1.10am on Sunday morning. Um, officers attended and those in attendance left. Ten people were issued with fixed penalty notices for breaching coronavirus regulations. Martin, um, this started to circulate very early on Sunday morning through various social media and WhatsApp groups, football forums, wherever you want to get into it. Now, for due diligence, I don't think it's responsible for us to be able to talk about the players that we believe are concerned because there is no confirmation that any of those players were actually part of this. So without naming names, I think, like you say, several have went around the houses in terms of various different rumour mills and what have you. Rangers are aware of the fact that it looks like that we have had players who have breached their, their respective coronavirus uh, regulations and restrictions um, came out of their bubbles. And it looks like, again, like you say, they've, they've, they've kind of breached that. Very, very disappointing given um, the focus which is on the game at the moment and more so because of what's happened so recently with George Edmondson and Jordan Jones. Um, I hate saying this because you hope that it's a legitimate, honest mistake, but I was very, very angry when I heard this yesterday, and just a real lack of judgment from those involved. Uh, yeah, you're right, it's hard to talk about it without knowing the full facts, because that's important to the discussion. Um, but... <laughs> I'd be the same as, as you and just about every supporter that 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 heard what they heard yesterday and obviously there's been a, a few variations on, on a theme there. Um, but I think we're probably safe to say that something is going awry um, and it's just not what we need at this minute in time. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, I think the bigger concern was maybe how that would be handled uh, at government level this morning. It seems to have passed off. Um a government that don't have the squirrels to seek to point at um, at this moment in time. That was my overriding concern yesterday, but clearly it looks like it's just going to be left to the club to take sanctions. And if uh, if need be, I'm sure there'll be heavy ones. Um, because we'll go back to what we said at the top of the programme, we are in touch and distance now. Um, and anyone jeopardising that, um, yeah, they, they need to feel the... The, the full force of it, really, if, uh, if if that's true. Andy, doing something which I never thought I would do, which is to quote the First Minister. Um, but <laughs> when asked about it today, she said, I don't care what club it is, it's breaching the rules. If you're breaching the rules, you're in the wrong. It's really frustrating. It's really unfair to the vast majority of people in the country that don't have the privileges that elite sports people have right now. The vast majority are not. Uh, but when a small number do then people will think, why am I bothering? Can I say to football and sport generally, please make sure your house is in order because it shouldn't take me standing here 
um, to say to highly paid footballers that you've got to obey the rules. Um, not a huge fan of Nicola Sturgeon, I don't think either of us are. However, I couldn't agree with her more. I think that when you're given the privilege of continuing on, and listen, it's not like most of us who are you know, working from home and don't get an opportunity to be able to go and see our workmates. These guys see them all the time. They are getting out, their, their sport is continuing. Their, their wages are not impacted. Um, but to Martin's point, the, the, the risk element here of what was potentially at stake and how it could have been a lot worse, I'll be honest with you, I, I, again, as I say, we can't go down the route of naming players because nothing's been confirmed, but I couldn't care less who the players are. I, I, I genuinely hope the club come down on them like a ton of bricks. Yeah, because they should be erring. I mean, erring on the side of caution should be an understatement, really. And at any point in this season, of all seasons, it would have been really bad. But to get to this point in the season and to put... I don't think they've put things in jeopardy. I think some of the narratives have been overblown in terms of what the government could do. But in terms of just handling their squad size and, and stuff like that, when you're coming up to European ties and, and the need for homegrown players without naming players, but um, it, it really beggars belief, in it? and it's a dereliction of responsibility, regardless of age, position, seniority in the squad. It really beggars belief, even more so because we've had the Jones and Edmondson, and we've seen what happened to them because they've been in a playlist fashion shipped off, and we'll, I don't think we'll see either of them ever again. So it beggars belief, it really it beggars belief. But in saying that, the fact that Rangers have put their foot in the ball here tells me, or, or maybe I'm saying this in hope, but I'm hoping it's not as clear-cut and definitive as maybe has been uh, rumoured. Um, but even if it isn't, I think taking the, the heat off it for the Monday morning press conference for, as we say, uh, the bold Nicola to, to to find something as a distraction technique which would have come in very very handy for her at this point in time I think it's probably been a good move um, but I'll be interested to see what happens next because um, something has to happen I mean we're talking about a vacuum earlier on, on another subject, there's a vacuum here um, so Rangers need to come out and be, be clear as to what's happened and see if it's not as bad as it's first made out be clear it's not as, been, it's not as bad and if it's a minor breach, be clear this is a minor breach because I'm, I'm not for folk getting flogged when it's no deserved, but 10 penalty notices. <laughs> I would like to see the, the get out for this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's just more whoever it was involved in it having to face Stephen Gerrard or Alan McGregor when you know they see or speak to them next. Um, gents, just to, just to wrap up, if I may, uh, just very quickly, we've got, as we mentioned already, the turn to Europe uh, against Antwerp across in Belgium on Thursday night. Um, really keen just to be able to try and get your thoughts, Martin, first of all, on um, returning to the European stage we, it feels certainly to me at least that there's been a very long layoff from it I don't know if that's maybe just because time is moving more slowly than usual um, but really excited about getting back into to European competition we, we've performed superbly even in the qualifiers you and I sat and watched some of those qualifiers together and I'm still in a bit of, kind of disbelief that you know we played as well as we have done especially through the through the group stages um, really looking forward to getting us back into that it, it, I, I think you know you touched on the point earlier on maybe some of that fixture congestion will start to feed into each other so really great opportunity to go back out and, and, and I think play some really expressive football on Thursday yeah, I'm just looking forward to um, European football uh, in, in February. Um, 
big boy shit to quote David Brent. Um, it's it's good to be at that level again, and yeah, hoping that it 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 just brings out a different kind of Rangers performance, which then bleeds into the weekend. We need intensity back. I think this this team are at their best when they're they're playing a lot of football and meaningful football. Um, good opposition um, by the looks of it. Um, looks a very evenly balanced tie. Um, the bookmakers would suggest. So yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to something something a bit different and and, and you know getting away from the uh, the kind of exhausting um, week by week of Scottish football. I, th- I think it'll be a score draw on Thursday. Andy, uh, you know back when what feels like four or five years ago when the draw was made to play against Antwerp. Um, personally, I, I you know I remember at the time I was quite comfortable with that tie. I felt that we could uh, we we should be able to give them a game. I, my belief is that we can progress. I think that we. Without sounding super confident, we've beaten teams of a higher standard, um, so it should be quite comfortable. But I don't believe there's also I also don't believe there's easy games in Europe, um, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing um, how we we pick up the pace again uh, on you know cup football, which has been somewhat lacking um, throughout our domestic campaign, and and I'm just really looking forward to getting back into it now. It's like anything else. Once you get a taste, you want more. And and I think normally we would say getting to a stage of the competition would have been more than satisfactory, especially winning the group. But now we're there and, and we're playing Royal Antwerp, I think it would be viewed as a, an opportunity must if we don't progress. But it won't be easy. Um, but in saying that, um, I think Europe brings out the best in us. I think a lot of our performances this season have been over... Not overshadowed, but they've been forgotten about. I mean, you think back to Heerenveen, Galatasaray, they were fantastic performances. Absolutely fantastic performances. Uh, and should really be going down in history. No, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but certainly they're, they're really good, strong, reputation-enhancing performances in Europe. And uh, I think we deserve to get the, the, the rewards in Europe. I think we deserve to get to quarterfinals. I think we deserve to get further and, and get the recognition that comes with it because the team has proven that they they can compete against this level of competition. So I hope we bring our A game. I think uh, I hope we get a result that carries it on into the next leg where we've got a real chance. There's no reason to say not. Um and I'm 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 much more relaxed about watching these games because we can enjoy the spectacle, we can enjoy the the feel good factor of knowing that the the eyes of Europe are on us when we play in these games. Um, and the, the last thing I would say is that see all the time we were doing the dumps and we're getting kicks for everybody and I mean Aberdeen fans, Hibs fans, Hearts fans all these kind of folk they can't dream again to this stage of Europe so uh, stuff like this that really makes it make me feel very very uh, proud and vindicated and validated and everything we've done over the last eight, eight, eight years or so because this is proof positive that we said we'd be back. We are back, and you'll never ever get to this stage, even in your wildest dreams. So it makes me very, very bullish when we get to these kind of games. Yes, and do you know what? I'm sure those fans will be cheering on a Scottish team in Europe. <laughs> uh, absolutely, <laughs> Martin. Um, just, just very quickly before we finish up as well. What do you think is the only thing better than beating Dundee United at Ibrox? Um, a match sponsored by Hart and Hand, I would suggest. It's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head, Cammy. 
You're absolutely correct. Yes, that's correct. Now, if you would like to uh, hear more from uh, the gentleman and myself, mostly those two, I'm, I'm you know, still very much been able to try and follow their lead, but you can jump on over to our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, uh, where you'll be able to get as many as five shows a day um, all about your beloved Rangers and some other topics in there as well. But we cover pretty much everything. Earlier on today, we had uh, our veterans and Alan Bradley and John Cowden covering the 70s uh, era, which is just phenomenal listening. Martin's got a wonderful show in the time capsule. Also covers some great stuff in his Play All series as well. And if you'd love to be able to jump over, please head on over to patreon.com heart and hand. Uh, the really great thing about it as well is that, as you will see on Sunday, uh, we are going to be the official match sponsors against Dundee United. We did it against St Mirren last year in the opening games of the season and uh, we got three points. So when we win on Sunday, it's because of your beloved podcast. All that's left for me to do is to thank your executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers. Um, but most importantly, to thank my guests, uh, Team Handsome and Cameron Bell. And the first one is Mr Andy McGowan. Andy, thank you for your time as always. Thanks, Cammy. And uh, I've got to say this team handsome things kind of taking its toll. Lockdown's not being kind, to be honest with you. So <laughs> it puts pressure on folk when they see me. They're like, who's that? Handsome. Who's that guy? And uh, listen, the sexiest voice in all the podcasting, Mr Martin Ramsey. Yeah, in a face for radio. Thanks, Cammy, And thanks for having us on for a easy, non-controversial pod. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll get slaughtered with this. This would be the one that David Edgar decides to take yeah. off. Eh? Right. Thanks, folks. I'll be back with you um, on Extra uh, on Friday because obviously we are playing on Thursday. Um, but as I say, if you'd like to be able to get any more of that uh, Patreon content, you know exactly where to go to. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Uh, and it's on to Europe on Thursday. Podcast Network. Investors like you have a problem. Today, most portfolios only include stocks and bonds. While it's currently performing, it's a strategy that Goldman Sachs predicted in 2023 to underperform for the next decade. Luckily, our sponsor, Masterworks Advisors, focuses on a non-traditional alternative asset, helping over 15,000 investors diversify a portion of their overall portfolios with blue-chip post-war contemporary art. Over 60% of wealth managers surveyed by Deloitte have already integrated art into their wealth management offering. And by signing up at masterworks.com slash advisors with code free, you can talk to a registered investment advisor representative who deals exclusively with this alternative asset class. So schedule a free same-day advisory call with Masterworks Advisors just by going to masterworks.com slash advisors and using promo code free. That's masterworks.com slash advisors promo code free. This advertisement relates to the provision of advisory services by Masterworks Advisors, LLC, and is not intended to offer or solicit investment in any securities and is not investment advice. Masterworks Advisors is affiliated with Masterworks.